And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton. And I'm Steffi Barnett. On today's show, Hidea bring us their latest update. The guys talk to Daryl Bullock about his new book. And Cruistery is back with Cowell and Dylan. All coming today, right here on Shoutout. Hello, welcome. It's sunny outside. Isn't it Ooh, nice? It is, and it's still light. Yeah. It's, the nights are pulling out, which is great. I know, yeah. It, it doesn't quite feel like summer yet, but then I, I haven't been to a pub yet. Has anyone been to a pub yet? No. Nope, not going not to yet. for a while. No. <laughs> nope. But you've been um, jabbed. I, just like, I have been I, jabbed. I've been I've taking the mickey out of the other half because he's now allowed to, which makes him old. I've only been jabbed once. Yeah. Yeah, and for my age, that's that's not good, is it? Shouldn't I have been jabbed many times? Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> like to insinuate your age. You always uh, tell yes, me off exactly. that. Yes, exactly. At least twice. <laughs> <laughs> have you not? Have you not had your appointment through for your second one yet? I'm no, sure it will it was, come. Um, uh, I, I'm about three weeks away. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Give them yeah. time. Give them time. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll get there. So, but it's nice, isn't it? I mean, it's like. That that lockdown lifting that little bit, it's just like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. At last, so, yeah. So um, yeah, if if you're if you're like some of us and some of our listeners, you know, um, and you're struggling a little bit, hold in there, uh, hold on in there. The, the, the light is coming, and oh, we got summer nearly on there. the way too. Yes, nearly, there. So, right. nearly summer. Nearly. How many people are having multiple parties? <laughs> I know I we are. Everybody, yeah. I guess. So Terry's been partying the whole time he's been in lockdown under his stairs, of course. Absolutely, but, uh, which is why I've dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> you would like to know what I've been doing. Yeah, I, I don't well, dare ask. If only, if only I had something naughty to show for it. But no, I twisted round in the bathroom and I put my shoulder out. So. And that's oh, what that's what he's telling I'm you angry. on live radio, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, a very packed show coming up today. Got a lovely interview coming up with Daryl Bullock. But before then, it's time to uh, catch up uh, with our lovely friends over at Hidaya. Have a listen to this. Great. My five on Shoutout. Dear Shoutout Radio listeners, my name is Usman. My pronouns are he, him, and I identify as a gay Muslim man. I volunteer for an organisation called Hadaya. Our mission is to support LGBTQI plus Muslims and provide education around the Korean Muslim community to counter discrimination, prejudice and injustice. In today's segment, I will be discussing the holy month of Ramadan. Many Korean Muslims are observing Ramadan under lockdowns, and this presents an opportunity to do things differently again this year. It is important staying connected with your chosen family during this holy month of Ramadan for many queer Muslims like myself. Here are some of Hadaya's top tips to support your fellow queer Muslims during this Ramadan lockdown. Top tip number one, set up an online cooking session. Food plays an important role as many Muslims fast from dusk till dawn. 
So using Instagram or Zoom, schedule an hour to showcase recipes. Islam is a majority faith in over 50 countries around the world, so why not try different recipes from some of these countries and cook together using Zoom? How about increasing your knowledge? Take this opportunity to learn about Ramadan. You can set up another Zoom meeting or a Facebook messenger group and ask your friends to explain the rules of Ramadan and fasting. This could take the form of correcting misconceptions made on social media or TV and just elaborating on them. Although I would recommend it should be backed up by accurate references. How about some craft and design sessions? Get hands-on. Think of joyful ideas to motivate your queer family to be more creative. Fun ideas like creating lanterns to put outside your door or Ramadan greeting cards and gift boxes that you can pass around to friends and family. For many of us, shopping has been difficult during lockdown, with most retail shops being closed. So why not take this opportunity to clear out your wardrobe? Try to think of ways to improve your style and fashion with what you already have. To mark the end of Ramadan, many Muslims celebrate Eid, which is in essence a big party. So why not start looking at outfits and check out the latest fashions? Log on to YouTube and follow vloggers such as Asya Akf, Habiba Da Silva, Subi Taha and Khaled Sadiq, just to mention a few who I think have unique fashion sense. Or alternatively, why not start your own fashion segment and start your own trend on YouTube or Instagram? It is also important to remember Ramadan is a month of goodness and mercy. One of the things that leaves a long-lasting impression is to remember your neighbours, and a good way to do this is to prepare a lovely meal. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, gift each other as this spreads love amongst all of us. So keep in mind and check on your neighbour. Another good way to spend your time is to set up a movie night. This is a good example of taking your mind off fasting, so why not get together with some friends and catch up on some of your favourite TV shows on Amazon Prime or Netflix. Zakat, which means charity, is a pillar of Islam and is compulsory, so why not take this time to help the poor and needy? Donate to any charity of your choice to help or help out at your local homeless shelter. There are food banks in most supermarkets, and let's not forget the importance of charity this month. So please go make a difference. Get cultured. Learn how Muslims around the world celebrate Ramadan in their countries. There's so many documentaries on YouTube and on Netflix. And what makes it better is if you join this with your friends and watch them together. Normally, Muslims break their fast with their families and share Ramadan experiences with each other. However, this year, I think it's important to remember those who are isolating alone or estranged from their families. From Africa to America, Muslims celebrate Ramadan together. Muslims often refer to each other as being part of an ummah, which means one big family. But we're lucky, as queer Muslims also have another family, the queer family, and it's important to celebrate with our queer community as well. Thank you so much for listening, and please do follow us on social media for any upcoming events. Thank you. Bye. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. This is Shout Out News Headlines on Thursday the 15th of April. 
Well, officially, Britain is in a state of mourning following the passing of His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, who was husband to Her Majesty the Queen. Terry, who monitors for Shout Out the news channels and international broadcasts daily, reports that in an age of multiple channels with dozens of news stations and rolling services on the air, the landscape of public discourse is very different from from even the last major royal death, that of the LGBTQ favourite Diana, Princess of Wales, in 1997. Nevertheless, in Britain, the small number of LGBTQ radio stations such as Gaydio and Pride Radio, amongst others, suspended their usual programming in favour of reflective music and bulletins. And it was of note that two of the UK's most respected gay broadcasters were chosen to anchor the proceedings as the largest networks helped the British people come to terms with the royal death. For most of Friday afternoon, all the BBC radio stations across the UK carried the output of BBC London, where Evan Davis handled the proceedings with a sombre but businesslike tone. Mr Davis is one of the BBC's most senior gay economists and resides with his partner Gwillem in the capital. Over on ITV, the country's oldest commercial television service, Philip Schofield was co-anchor of tributes, recollections and interviews that aired through the evening. A familiar face on British television for 30 years, Mr Schofield officially came out as gay in a dignified item on the This Morning programme in 2019. His autobiography is scheduled for paperback publication in the July of this year. In happier news, it is Ramadan. The Islamic month characterised by daylight fasting, good works and reflection commenced on Monday night of this week. For the second year running, the government has asked observers of the evening feasts of Ramadan to be conducted with restraint, considerate of the realities of COVID-19 and social distancing. Even so, the approach of the festival of Eid will make many people happy. The British-based LGBTQ Muslim network Hidayah published a colourful animation on Monday wishing its supporters a Ramadan Mubarak, a sentiment we here at Shoutout echo. The blogger The Trans Muslim, who is available on Twitter, also added, To all my fellow LGBTQ plus Muslims, remember you have every right to practice the beautiful religion that is Islam and don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. The pineapple, a feature of the gay scene in Bristol between 1995 and 2018, is to be turned into luxury flats. Bristol 247 paper says that the developers of Knight Frank and Chapels Michaels will see the Grade 2 listed building into what they describe as a mix of luxury apartments benefiting from a garden, open terrace areas and a raised communal patio with private gardens surrounded by mature trees. The City Council approved the development before the COVID-19 pandemic, but now building work is scheduled to start. The historical Edwardian facade to the pub is to be retained as part of the planning permission grant. Attitude magazine and the LGBTQ commercial network Gaydio both report this week on a brand new fundraising initiative from within the heart of the gay, bi, trans and non-binary communities. It's called Rainbow Lottery and is the brainchild of Tom Gatos. Tickets will cost £1 per week and the top prize is £25,000. 50 pence for every pound ticket sold will go to LGBTQ good causes, the first being the Ben Cohen Foundation, which campaigns against bullying. For Mr Gatos, who's been involved in the gay social scene for 40 years, it is payback time. He said, with this lottery, we can be catalysts to assist the community coming together in one central arena of support. You can find out more at rainbowlottery.co.uk. 
and it's time to blow our own trumpet again. Go on, you'll indulge us just for 30 seconds, won't you? Hot on the heels of the news that one of our family of stations, the excellent Glitterbeam, will be joining the new digital radio service for Newcastle upon Tyne, we can report that Shoutout is going to join another radio station. The Global Voice is a network founded by Chrissy Cochran who also volunteers at Trans Radio UK. Global Voice carries a wide range of online programming, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with an eclectic variety of shows, including acclaimed speech output, current affairs and disability access programming. We are absolutely delighted to be able to say that we are joining this project, which you can tune into online at theglobalvoice.info. And as if the radio news couldn't get better, we would like to congratulate Thornbury Radio, our partner station broadcasting to the towns and villages north of Bristol, on being awarded a full-time community radio licence to use FM. Thornbury Radio, which has been streaming for more than a decade, will, from late spring, be audible on 105.1 MHz FM around the Thornbury district itself, and on 107.5 further north. Already, a test signal has been noted by radio enthusiasts listening in the north Bristol area. Thornbury FM broadcast shout out on a Thursday evening at nine o'clock. Congrats to the whole team on getting their license. The big switch on date will be Monday the 7th of June and we should be tuned in. For these new stories in further detail and much 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 more check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt and for Shout Out News this has been Terry Starr. <laughs> Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, hello, um, and we'd like to welcome Daryl Bullock, uh, our, one of our local authors who's had various books, including uh, David Bowie Maybe Gay. Um, and also uh, World's Rush Records 1 and 2 and also has recently uh, released a new book called The Velvet Mafia. Hi Daryl, well um, I noticed actually here that you're described as a veritable bard of the bent, broken and baroque by the wonderful (laughs) Andy Partridge from XTC which perhaps younger listeners may not know about but a superb band from Swindon. How did you become known as the veritable bard of the bent? Um, Andy, Andy, and I have become quite good friends over the last few years. Um, yep. um, I, I hesitate, I hesitate to use the word friend because I think that was kind of bigs me up too much. Um, he's an absolute sweetheart, and mm-hmm. he he owns all of my books, uh, and he absolutely he loves this current one, the Velvet Mafia. Yep. But that was um, that was a while ago. I think it was when I wrote um, um, the World's Worst Records Volume One, my self-published book that was based yep. on my blog. Um, and and he made that comment then, and I said to him jokingly, "Oh, I'm going to use that in my biography." And he said, "Yeah, go on with it. Go on, why not?" So that's why. Fantastic. Now, the Velvet Mafia is the tale of gay men in the 1960s who facilitated the swinging 60s as we know them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the story kind of starts in 1956 because it starts mm. really with the birth of rock and roll in this country. Yeah. Um, and it's we're talking about a period between 56 and say 1969 when the entire music industry was was run by gay men and and, and sadly we're you know we're at a time when it really was men because very few women were involved in the industry at a management level at that point right um 
there are you know, people like um, Vicky Wickham, um, who was Dusty's Dusty Springfield's manager for a while and was one of the producers of Ready Steady Go. But outside of that, there were very few women. So it's mostly uh, a male-dominated business, and strangely enough, the vast majority of people, or, or so, sorry, not the vast majority, but certainly the names that you'd know from that period all happen to be gay. Mm. I was going to say, there's quite a few uh, sort of Spengali figures from that period, isn't there, that were gay men sort of shaping um, bands to appeal almost to a gay, a, a, a sort of gay audience, would you say? Well, I don't necessarily think they were trying to, they were trying to appeal to a gay audience. They wanted to appeal to a mainstream audience, but they knew what people wanted. And, and I guess part of what, part of their way of thinking was if, if this would appeal to a young girl, will it appeal to somebody else? So they could kind of market acts mm. in a way that they knew would appeal to teenagers, especially to young girls. Um, but but they weren't looking to market to a gay uh, market at that point because there wasn't one. It just didn't exist. It was, right. I mean, the LGBT, um, what we now look at as, as the Pink Pound or something like that, the LGBT market at that point was tiny. And of course, this is the years before um, before the partial decriminalization of homosexuality. So very few people were out anyway. Nobody was talking about gay people in terms of their spending power or anything like that. Okay, mm. that's, uh, that's really interesting. I should say, because I, I, I've read quite a few of your books, and I have quite an interest in these, these sorts of things and also the social history behind it. Mm. 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 So you've got Brian Epstein, haven't we? He's perhaps the most famous... Of those Svengali's that Andy was talking about, um, what what other names um, did you discover in your in your researches that were gay men behind the music? Well, it all starts with Larry Parnes, who was mm. who was the manager of Britain's first rock and roll star, which that was that was Tommy Steele. Oh right, yeah. Look back at Tommy Steele now, and you think you know this kind of you know weird toothy little boy who does weird you know um, skiffle, yeah, skipping around singing songs and 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 and, 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 and quite kind of um, family orientated. But he was actually our first rock and roll star, and yeah. he was quite outrageous because at that time we hadn't had any teenage stars. He was the first, and Larry was his manager, his co-manager. Larry and and his co-manager uh, John Kennedy found Tommy Steele working in or, or singing playing guitar in the coffee bars of Soho and made him into an international star mm -hmm. um, this had never happened before we'd never had um, British artists that were marketed to appeal to teenagers I mean 1956 we didn't really know what teenagers were you know there was still only a generation away from the second well only 11 years away 12 years away from the end of the second world war mm. so this is all absolutely new um and larry was the first person or one of the first people to realize that there was a market there that this new breed of teenagers had money in their pockets and they wanted to spend it and they weren't being encouraged to spend it on local talents plenty of record companies releasing songs by you know by elvis presley and richard and people like that but they weren't fostering homemade talents and larry was the first person to exploit that i was going to say was it not larry ponds that uh, 
tried to name Joe Brown Elmer Thud or something like that? Uh, <laughs> it was Elmer Twitch. Elmer Twitch, that was it. But it was, yeah. Yeah, Larry Larry had this uh, this strange um, propensity for renaming his artists. So um, you, you had Johnny Gentle and Vince Eager and, and Tommy Steele was actually Tommy Steele Hicks and it wasn't that much of a change. But uh, Billy Fury was originally course, born Witcherly yeah. and, and all these yeah. kind of things. He, he wanted something that sounded dynamic, something that would appeal, you know. So, so that's how you got these strange names. Um, uh, Marty Wilde is another one. You know, it's uh, right, yeah. it, it was just a, a, a little angle to to help market these these young kids. And as he famously said, you couldn't really have somebody go on stage, you know, called Joe Bloggs. <laughs> True. I was going to say, mind you, Joe Joe Brown refused to be renamed, didn't he? He was one of the few that actually stood up and said. That he wouldn't that he wouldn't accept a different name i think yeah he did and he didn't stay with larry very long he was only with him for about a year oh. or so maybe two years um and <laughs> the jailbrain story is quite interesting because larry kind of jumped on the, the opportunity to sign him before joe knew what had happened um they both happened to be in in um a rehearsal for the tv show six five i think it was six five special yeah. or was it, uh, it was one of those shows anyway and and jack good the pub the producer was looking for a guitar player and joe brown happened to be there and bef and he was playing jack good liked what he was doing and before uh joe had the chance to tell jack good anything larry jumped on him and said i'm managing him he's my boy kind of thing you know so he had not very little option but to sign to larry but he didn't stay with him very long but like a lot of the people that played that um signed to larry he was worked like a like a cart horse you know he's working 50 out of 52 weeks a year um touring the country up and down working hour after hour after hour doing endless tv shows and live appearances and this kind of thing but even today he looks back and says you know although it was awful at the time i wouldn't have done anything else because he gave me a career that's that's a re really interesting thing um i just read it reading around a, a couple of bits that you've been working on um i just sort of wanted to ask the question sort of once 1967 came did lots of these sort of game in the Swingali did they disappear into the background or did they well, still continue on working well, sadly, but by the time 1967 and the partial decriminalisation came along, um, several of them were already dead. Brian Epstein had had gone or, or was about to die. Um, Joe Orton, the playwright, had died that same year. Um, Joe Meek, the producer, had died that same year. So there weren't that many left. And, and even those that were, people like uh, Robert Stigwood or Larry Parnes, they weren't in any hurry to come out. They they were never flag wavers for the community, you know. They weren't those kind of people. Um, so that partial decriminalisation didn't really change much for them. Right. They Larry didn't come out at all during his lifetime, and nor did Stigwood. Yeah. So I, I, I guess writing this book has been quite a a, a sort of journey because it, it's sort of it's quite different from your other books such as David Bowie, Maybe Gay, or, or the World's Best Records, or in fact the other the other book which of course was discovered by the World's Best Records on Florence Foster Jenkins, <laughs> <laughs> which which I have to say I, I think is quite is quite um, is a very good read and. Um, so all the books have different have some really different sort of things going around them um how did you how did you find writing this book compared to the others 
Well, they, I, I suppose they, they do all have their own theme, but they're all related to music in some way or another. And I've, I've always been fascinated with music since I was a kid. Always have been, always will be. Um, and, you know, being a gay man, writing about music, it makes sense to write about gay people in the music industry, I, I suppose. I, th- I think I think being being gay gives you a an idea of what was going on that a straight writer might not necessarily see you know what it's like yourselves and and, our, and your listeners will understand that if you're part of that community you understand the signals you understand what's going on you you can read between the lines and and build a, a much fuller picture that is that a heterosexual author coming to the subject might not get there's a nuance you wouldn't understand you wouldn't get yeah um, but it was a fascinating book to write I absolutely loved it I mean I'm uh, spending time with characters as fascinating as as Brian Epstein or Larry Parnes who wouldn't enjoy that and and talking to the people they work with the one one of the things that I love to do is is talk to musicians so having the opportunity to to talk to people like I don't know Vince Eager or Mike Berry people who have been in the industry for 50 60 years is just wonderful absolutely fascinating it really comes across in the books um, your passion for for the subject as well and i'm sure Thank many you. of our, our our listeners will also remember you from the days of venue magazine um yeah. and, and other bits that you you've done yeah. I'd, I'd say that the books the books are, are, are re- a really good read um, where, where can we find um the books uh, to buy well they should all be available in 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 waterstones or foils or your local bookshop um there there are some great independent bookshops in bristol as we all know in in uh, in bedminster and in in westbury park um all over the place there are some fantastic independent bookies and your know, bookshops and you can find them there happily if not they can happily order them for you there are online places that you could use if you wish <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you know you're you're on the front page of Gaze the Words website, uh, that lovely LGBTQ bookshop down in London. Oh, how so, sweet! Uh, so I've got my copy from there. Yeah, the yeah. the guys from Gaze the Word came along when we had our the launch for David Bowie made me gay at the, at the uh, British Library back in 2017. They are the most wonderful people, um, and I'm always really happy to to support them whenever I can. And you know, I always really appreciate the support they give me. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you ever so much, Daryl, for coming along. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will be really interested to read your books. And uh, we hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you all very much. And it's, uh, it's always lovely to come here and say hello. For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Queer Story. Our last pod brought to you part one of the Roberta Cowell story. So to continue where we left off, I was sharing with you all that she was an avid racer who competed in the Antwerp GP and who married at 21 years of age. She then became a Spitfire pilot in the Royal Air Force and in 1942 was fighting in the Second World War. In November 1944, while flying over Germany, her plane was shot down, crashed, and she was captured by German troops, spending five months as a prisoner of war inside Salaglup. Her imprisonment ended with the conclusion of the conflict, and though she had escaped death and was back in England with her wife and daughters, she felt tortured. 
What I knew deep down inside of me, though not consciously, my nature was essentially feminine and in some ways my world was out of joint. In 1948, Carol walked away from her family and never saw her children again, so much so that her two daughters were unaware of her passing in 2011. I tried everything I could think of to pull myself around, she recalled. Alcohol was a failure, my troubles were far too deep. To be affected by drink, drugs acted as depressants, I was unhappy in company and when alone. I decided it was much better to be alone because then at least one did not spread depression and gloom. By 1950, Roberta Cowell had become the first legally transgender woman in the United Kingdom. Her sexual reassignment didn't stop her from getting back into the cockpit both on the ground and in the sky. Racing, she described, was the only way of life that she knew. She was back on track at Silverstone, one at Chelsea Walsh Hill Climb in 1957, the world's oldest motorsport event to have been staged continuously on its original course, and extravagantly purchased a de Halavand Mosquito in which she planned to cross the Atlantic. Initial interest from a curious 1950s society brought respectable publicity and money. She even graced the front cover of the picture post. However, failed business ventures led to financial woes, which eventually and very sadly led to bankruptcy. In 1958, The Guardian reported that Roberta, now 40, was living in Queensgate, London, with debts of £12,580 and no assets declared at her public examination at the bankruptcy courts. She was said to owe her father £8,500. In court, Roberta stated, I say I have no assets, for I believe it has been put down to as little as £2. She granted her last interview in 1972 and then retreated from public life altogether. Aged 93, she died alone in sheltered housing, her funeral attended by around half a dozen people. War hero, Grand Prix racing driver, forgotten woman, her death wouldn't be reported for another two years. So that concludes the story of Roberta Cowell, and it's here that I would like to share with you some more about Michael Dillon. I mentioned Dillon in part one, and had I not begun to research Roberta, I would never have begun reading about Dillon's life. I spoke of Dillon because he became great friends of Betty and was one of the doctors who operate on, on her. As mentioned, he was a British physician who was the first trans man to get phyloplasty in 1946 and it was Dylan who performed the initial operation on Cowell to remove her testicles in 1948, which was illegal at the time. This allowed her to be certified by a gynaecologist as intersex and for further surgery to be carried out. On the 15th of May 1951, she had vaginoplasty conducted by Sir Harry Gillies, a leading pioneer in plastic surgery. And upon further reading, I have discovered that Bristol has an impressive connection to transgender history. Cheryl Morgan wrote for Outstories Bristol that the great writer Jan Morris was born in Clevedon and the city is also home to two modern trans stars, Travis Alabanza and Sean Fay. However, Bristol's most famous trans resident was a man who only spent a few years in the city and who described his time here as the darkest of days. Dylan underwent his gender transition while living in Bristol and of course transition can be emotionally and physically painful for trans people even today, let alone in the 40s when it was all incredibly new. Dylan's description could easily have been used by many other Bristolians for those times because Dylan's time in Bristol coincided with the Second World War 
Fortunately, Bristol was also a home to Dr Foss, who was interested in the medical use of testosterone. It was Foss who worked with Dylan to begin his testosterone use and became the person who supplied him with it. It was also in Bristol where Dylan was able to gain the support of a plastic surgeon, who then performed his mastectomy and introduced him to Sir Harold Gillies, the man who would pioneer the operation that gave Dylan his penis. The local surgeon was probably Dr Geoffrey Fitzgibbon, who worked mainly through the old Bristol General Hospital on Guinea Street. It wasn't all positive for Dylan. In an article for the Bristol magazine, local historian Daryl Bullock identified this as Stoke Park Colony for Mentally Defective Children, later Stoke Park Hospital. When Dylan first sought treatment from Dr Foss, the GP asked him to see a psychiatrist. This man outed Dylan to his work colleagues, forcing Michael to find a new job. Also, the war was happening and those who were assigned female at birth were now able to gain employment in what was previously seen as only male-based work. And it was here that Dylan got a position in a garage selling luxury cars. He was accepted as a man here by most, but there were still some employees who refused to accept him and misgendered him on a daily basis. However, it was his Oxford education and upper-class accent that helped him with socialising and many people enjoyed his company, especially the more wealthy clients. Dylan writes that one of his favourite customers was the editor of the Bristol Evening Post. The garage was also where he made a lifelong friend, a young man called Gilbert Barrow, who was raised in Muller Orphanage in Ashley Down. Later in life, Dylan became interested in Buddhism, finally becoming a Buddhist monk, and during Dylan's time as a doctor in the Merchant Navy, he would visit Bristol whenever he was back in the UK. Dylan wrote two incredible books, so if you wish to read more about his life and his studies, do check out his books on transgender medicine titled Self, A Study in Ethics and Endocrinology, as well as his autobiography, Out of the Ordinary, A Life of Gender and Spiritual Transitions. Sadly, he never got to see the publication of this book as it didn't get released until 2016, 64 years after his death. And that's it for today's Queer Story. Next time, I will be speaking to you about someone who is part of the G in the LGBTQIA plus family. If you have any feedback, don't be shy. Tweet us at Shouter underscore radio. Until next time. Bye. For information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Uh, that was Gary Barlow and uh, Let Me Go. Sorry. And that's one of those songs we, no, we talked Gary, about it. No, not at all, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've talked it's, about that one before. It's, it's, under the stairs. It, it's a really upbeat song, but it's actually about a really kind of like downbeat thing, isn't it? It is because it was uh, about him and his wife, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, the the breakup, and it was very sad. But yeah. you're right; it's so upbeat. The track, yeah. I, I love it as a song, but mm. uh, you know, yeah. I, I tend to. I don't know if you do the same, but I tend not to listen to the words as much the first time or two I hear a song. And if I like it, then I'll actually listen to it in a bit more detail. So it took me a few times hearing that before I realised that. But yeah, mm. there you go. It's a little bit different. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, we've had a few bits of different music in this week. Yeah. Um, 
Um, yeah, what else have we had? Oh my life by the score. Oh, we had Nicky French earlier as well, didn't we? Um, oh, uh, yes. we, we had we that like one. Don't Nicky play French. that song oh, again. I think that's one of Steph's favourite ones. That one. Well, oh. I like Nicky French stuff anyway. Yeah, um, she's lovely. I was going to say she covered um, Oh Total Eclipse of the Heart, didn't she? Did? Back in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and was internationally successful right, with it, yeah. but yes. they had to release different versions of it for the American audience versus the British audience, which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. And a great, um, a great supporter of um, of Pride. Yes, yes, yeah, and, and, and us too. We've had yeah, her, had her on the show. I've got. She's probably the most excited jingle we ever had because she almost screamed into the she microphone. Did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. So, yeah, um, yeah talking to Pride, uh, I'm ever so sorry to say we still have no news as of yet. Uh, we have reached out to the Pride team, but uh, we haven't heard. So, um, um, as soon as we do, and we can let you know more, we will do so. So, that's not about you, but I'm in the mood for waving some flags around at the moment. I was going to yeah. say, it's get, getting out, out and about and actually seeing some people. That would be, that'd be nice. And yeah. All those, all those nice pride things. Yep. Hey, talking about waving the flag, um, I was on Radio Bristol with Laura Rawlings uh, chatting about this very show. All right. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, we got off some, Wicked, a little bit of publicity. Yes. Uh, hello to Laura. I know she listens yeah. quite a bit. Uh, yep. And um, yeah, she's lovely. Yeah, very supportive of Shout Out, as I is um, Emma Britton. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, Emma's not on BBC Radio. No, she's not, she but she's still a, a supporter, yeah. even when, oh. she wa- uh, when she was on The Beeb, and, and now she's not, but she mm. still supports us. She's a celebrant now. Yeah, in fact, we yeah. interviewed her a few weeks ago about it, didn't we? So. We did, yes. Yeah. Um, I was right, just yeah. saying, we, we should also say about waving to our friends by the sea on, on wave, shouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, and talking of Wave, Andy, they've got a new LGBTQ magazine show every Monday at 7 p.m. They're their own one, um, yes. Called, yeah. uh, what is it, Terry? The Real? It's called Real, the real. isn't it? It's called yeah. The Real, yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's cool. All the uh, Real views for Royal Western. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be having Nigel on the show um, in a few weeks' time, talking about uh, Western Pride uh, that's going to be online this year. And also... Next oh, they, year, are, they are doing an online one this year, are they? Oh, that's good they news. are. Yeah, yeah. So um, I knew they, they cancelled the, the, the big one because wasn't last year they were supposed to be um, National Pride or something like that? Yes, but obviously they had to postpone that. So postponed. what I'm hoping is that when we have Nigel on, he'll announce that um, uh, it'll be National Pride venue next year. And, of course, I, we're hoping to broadcast both days of uh, oh. WSM Pride. Yes. Yeah, we didn't quite pull it off last time, but we we did manage to broadcast um, live from Western last last year. It was a hell of an atmosphere. Yeah, I the weather weather went all over the place, didn't it? One minute it was really hot, the next minute it absolutely tipped it down, and then it was hot again. It really was four four seasons in one day, wasn't it? Really? (laughs) Yes. Really? Very British weather. Very British weather, but very good fun. That that was yeah. that was qu- quite quite a good fun one to do. I just think of four seasons in one day. That was a track by um, <laughs> oh, which band? Um, 
yes. tenuous link from Andy coming. <laughs> Be warned. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it it was a trap crowded by, house. Um, crowded house. Yes, yeah, crowded house, yeah. Uh, four oh, seasons yeah. in one day, which talk, which is about weather. They sold mm. lots of things about the weather. Funnily enough, they did. They did weather love. with you, didn't they? As well. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes. Do love being part if, of shout out. If, we, we really are <laughs> quite an obscure bunch of people in the team, aren't we? <laughs> we are. But I, just but just before we, we celebrate go. difference. <laughs> We do. Just before we go, although uh, The Wave have their own LGBTQ magazine programme starting, we're still going to be on the station on yes. Thursdays at 7. So you're going to have a major choice. Twice a week, you're going to yeah. be able to get your fill of LGBTQ news. Yeah. It's be fantastic. Only in Western. Yeah. Yes, only in Western. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Although I say that, oh, they're broadcast online, so I think you can actually be anywhere, can't you? <laughs> yeah. You can indeed. The joy of the internet. It'll never take off. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast available after the show. Uh, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, do remember, um, talking of us and uh, getting involved, we are looking for more people to get involved. So if you uh, know someone who is interested or you are interested yourself, please do get in touch with us. On air, behind the scenes, social media, Next week it's myself from Steph, from Andy, and from Terry. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.